I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh my goodness me! What a fantastic goal! What a goal! That is absolutely superb! Huge cheers go up around Emirates Stadium. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday, the 15th of January 2018. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on today's show, Olivier Giroud on reaching 100 Gunners goals. We look at the letter Z and the A to Z of Arsenal. Asian Clark looks ahead to a London derby against Crystal Palace at the chalkboard. We kick off and look back at the past week with our Arsenal Insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. So another double game week and looking back on all of the action, delighted to say that the Daily Mirror's John Cross joins us on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Crossy, always a pleasure, mate. How are you keeping? Yeah, very well, very well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, a mixed week, we can safely say, for Arsenal. We'll focus on the more positive, which is well set after leg one of the Carabao Cup semi-finals after a, a hard-fought goal of straw against Chelsea. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good defensive performance. How they could have done with that almost, but um, but I do think it was a, a resolute performance, a performance that was designed to keep it tight, to make sure Arsenal took it to the second leg. I still think it's a very very difficult um, return leg, so uh, far from being done. But the real danger in my mind was was the first leg defeat, and I think that would have left. Um, Arsenal with a mountain to, to climb, really. And I think their kind of statement of intent, maybe it was all about sort of kind of defending rather than attacking, actually. It was a little bit of breakaway action, wasn't there, uh, towards the end of the game. But um, I think the reality was that Arsenal would be very happy with that result. I think they'd be more positive than Chelsea to come away from the first leg with all square. And I think any team occasionally rides their luck against a team of Chelsea's quality. But on the whole, the holding Chambers Mustafi three in that game looked a, a fairly kind of cohesive unit, didn't it? It did. And I think there's no doubt about it. I think that Mustafi is the, is the older head, the senior pro, really. And at times he's looked good and in that sort of role and the way that he aggressively steps out and attacks the ball um, and tries to sort of really defend from the front, if you like. Um, I think that um, Chambers is really interesting because I think a few people thought that Chambers was perhaps done at Arsenal uh, in the summer. And the way he sort of stepped up to the plate, taking on the challenge in some games has been really impressive. Holding, I think, has been a revelation. I still think he's young and I still think basically 
he's at an early stage of his career, and I, I like some signs that I've seen from Holding, and of course they're going to get exposed from time to time, but I do think Holding has got something, as indeed has Chambers, but um, I do think that playing alongside experienced heads can only help them in, in the longer run. OK, John, so that was midweek. Moving on to the weekend, we both uh, covered this game as Arsenal lost out to Bournemouth, loads to talk about. But we'll go with that back three first if we can. I have to say, I was a bit surprised that Chambers came off at the point he did. I thought he'd had an outstanding game, including that brilliant block to stop Bournemouth scoring earlier. Yeah, it was it was another one. I guess it was slightly to, to sort of kind of be a little bit more aggressive and sort of go chase the game, I guess. But it was... It was a, it was an odd game, I felt, in, in that basically Arsenal looked so superior and so much the better team in the first half. You thought, why aren't they creating a few more chances that I would be critical about? But that defensive base gave them a really strong unit to build from. I think Arsenal do lack a little bit of quality in certain areas, but I do think that that back three looked solid and strong. And, you, you, you know, Bournemouth weren't really able to kind of get behind and sort of attack. And I think, you know, Chambers made a terrific block. Uh, I think Mustafi was, was strong, resilient. And I think Holding was decent. And I thought that um, really at half-time, Arsenal you know, should be confident of going on to win the game. Um, and, I, and I just felt it, the second half, the way it panned out, um, was, 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 was very odd indeed. But some of the defending then in the latter stages, when maybe the team was kind of, breaking up and became a little bit more disjointed with changes going on uh, was was really worrying. And the collective errors for the first goal for Callum Chambers, or Callum Wilson's goal, sorry, very, very concerning because you've got four players in and around the right wing back putting the cross in, two trying to cover the striker, a keeper coming out when he probably shouldn't. You could argue that about seven of Arsenal's players could have done better for that goal. Yeah, I think that was a really, really bad goal. I think um, sometimes, you, you know, I think the goalkeeper, you know, perhaps Petr Cech, he's an aggressive goalkeeper, will come to things. I'm sure, if he had his time again, he'd probably stay at home. It was inexplicable as to why perhaps he, he came out on the front foot. Maybe he felt the defenders basically should have shut it down sooner. And I guess that rush of blood sometimes overtakes your natural instinct um, and experience. And I just felt that you know that it, it, it was it was a really weird one because I felt at that stage at one 0 Arsenal were going to be the team to go and score the second goal and then basically go and win the game you know quite comfortably and the fact that basically Arsenal have had so much possession so much dominance and so much superiority to concede that silly goal and then collapse in the way that they did I just think is unforgivable in itself really because. Defending like that, I mean, when you're on top, you've got to really exert your authority, not just in terms of goals, obviously that's the ideal, but you just shouldn't be able to, you know, let Bournemouth, who had been second best up until that point, come back into the game quite so easily. You know, that really worried me. And then from there, Bournemouth had so much more determination and desire, I felt, and the defensive question marks, I think, were, for me, I wouldn't say forgotten about, but paled into insignificance in the, in the way that Arsenal sort of meekly surrendered. Mm, Jordan Ibe, having not scored all season, getting the winner, which kind of tells its own story, doesn't it, John? Um, I'll focus on one positive for most of the game. I thought Jack Wilshire, for at least the first 75 minutes, had another very, very good match. I thought Jack Wilshire in the first half 
was absolutely on another level to every other player on the pitch. I thought he was strong, aggressive, the way he shields the ball, protects the ball, um, was just outstanding. He drove the team forward. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I've always been a wheelchair fan. I think regular readers and listeners might know that. But basically, I, I, I do actually, even I admit that basically there was a stage where I thought, can he really get back? You begin to question it after so many injuries. Well, I have to say, this was the, the, this was the clearest example yet. I felt that, that Wilshere can get back to being a really top player, both for club and country. Absolutely outstanding. I felt he was by far and away. It was a joy to watch at times. And, you know, I sort of tweeted something about, I hope Gareth Southgate is watching because... I just think that this is a player who's who's got unique talent in, in sort of English football terms in, in the way that he can run a game, decide a game. And I think that the way he dictated it from central midfield was, was really something to behold. And I think even sort of in the closing stages, his legs were getting weary. He was still Jack Wilshere trying to push forward and trying to sort of drive the team forward and try and salvage something from the game. I do think he wears his heart on his sleeve as well as the captain's armband, of course, last week. And um, I think that Wilshere is, you know, he's an exceptional talent who you know, has got Arsenal blood running through his veins. Really, really outstanding performance. OK, John, appreciate your thoughts on that. Let's hear a little bit from Arsene Wenger, the boss, post-match. First of all, on a really bad day at the office. What is absolutely frustrating, we, we took the lead and after that uh, uh, we make mistakes. We're not even forced, you know, by the qualities just because we made bad decisions and... Uh, Overall, uh, it's very, very frustrating because we, you come out in, uh, down from uh, the stand and you wonder how did we lose this game. You don't really know how. And uh, being harsh, I would say uh, we gave the game away today with mistakes, not with attitude. Our attitude was spot on. The players had uh, good focus. And, uh, and as well, uh, being objective uh, with the ball we had, we didn't create enough. And uh, on that front, we were short. Arsene Wenger also giving us the latest on Alexis Sanchez and whether or not he will be staying at the club beyond the January transfer window. He's a bit on standby. He could move out or not. I don't know really, you know, how the situation evolves now. And uh, that's why it was uh, very difficult for him. He, uh, he uh, is in a mode where he doesn't know what's happening to him. So that's why I decided to leave him home because he could have moved today. Or not, so I didn't want to come down here with him uh, travelling away from the team. Crossy, the boss there on the game and then on Alexis, um, does appear as if we're approaching the end times from what the boss alluded to there. Yeah, I, I just think as soon as you leave him out of the squad, as soon as you're taking out the team, you're sending a clear message that the player is done. Um, because he's, he, make no mistake about it, for all his sort of kind of diva faults, and he's got a few of those. Um, I do think he's a fantastic talent, brilliant world-class superstar, um, and at times he would raise Arsenal up to a different level. And so I think you're saying to, to the rest of the team, I'm not playing Sanchez, um, leaving him at home, you're calling it on basically, you're saying, well, I'm getting, <laughs> excuse me, getting ready to, to sell and getting ready to sort of kind of move on to a different era. Um and I think that's opening the gateway, really. It'll be interesting to see whether sort of kind of how fans react to it. I know that sort of a lot of fans are actually uh, disaffected and annoyed that Arsenal didn't do business in, you know, in Sanchez last August when they had a big money offer on the table. 
I couldn't quite understand that. I think if there was a chance for Sanchez staying and getting Arsenal into the top four, then I think that's the way to go. And I think Arsenal took a calculated risk at that time. You'd have to say, judge on performances and results this season, it hasn't paid off. Um, but I do think it was a quite a bold one to do. And now I just think you have to cut your losses. Arsene Wenger, you know, making it clear in sort of, you know, last Friday, even before the game, that Sanchez wasn't going to sign a contract. When that's obvious, then I just think Arsenal have got to give up and basically sell, cut their losses and get as much money as they can and also move on. I feel that the kind of Sanchez in, in many ways is a great player. But um, I just think when it's like that, when you know a player's going, I think the player's natural instinct switch off a little bit and I think now they have to move on to, to pastures new and kind of try and rebuild and try and find a better solution you know even if it means bringing two or three to replace it. Acrossi two quick ones to finish moving forward then how critical is the next 15 days till that window shuts when you consider Arsenal's current form their league position and the fact that they've got still effectively three fronts to fight on? Massive because you can't sell your best player and then not replace him. I think that not only will you see a, a, a drop in level of performance, but you'll also see kind of the, the fans become annoyed and frustrated. New signings are crucial in terms of also sort of helping the team, but also lifting up expectations and really sort of lifting and changing the mood, I think, in and around the camp. And I still think that basically if they get the right signings, then... They can certainly give it a go, maybe sort of trying to push for you know, a decent league finish. Um, I think top four is looking tough, I must admit, and sort of the, the League Cup and then Europa League still provides a sort of an avenue into, into Europe and, and silverware. Is it as simple as a Sanchez replacement or do we need to see more coming into this squad across it, in your view, to get where Arsenal need to be in terms of those two cups and indeed hopefully top four? I don't think the squad is, is strong enough at the moment. I think there's deficiencies. I think you probably need to, to have a centre-half. I do think you probably need to have a look at the central midfield area. Uh, there's enough quality there. And then also up front, you know, the support for Lacazette. You've got to put your faith in Lacazette. £52 million record signing. But give him some support. Give him some, you know, some energy or pace from, from the wide areas. Um, and have a look at different attackers, maybe. Um, I think you've got to now look at potential rather than proven quality. Um, Arsenal have got a new sort of recruiting there, didn't they? And Sven Mislintat knows, knows the sort of European leagues extremely well. Um, and they've got to go and find some, some, some talent from, from somewhere because they've got to rebuild. And I think they've got to look in certain different areas and maybe that kind of the money that they've sort of cashed in. And perhaps it won't just be Sanchez, it might just be Theo Walcott as well going then I do think they're basically trying to clear some big names off the wage bill, rebuild, spend some money in the market, but also being invested in sort of big contracts for, for new players that can take the club and lift it again, I think. Well, let's hope that is indeed the case. As ever, Crossy, thank you very much indeed for coming on and being our Arsenal Insider here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. It is always a pleasure, mate. Thank you. Friendship man Olivier Giroud hit 100 goals for us earlier this season against Barta Borisov. Here's his chat with Arsenal Media and what it takes to reach such an historic milestone. When I first signed for Arsenal, basically uh, I wish I could uh, reach the Android goals. But uh, yeah, it was a target and uh, here we are. 
Yeah, actually, my uh, my career is a bit unconventional because um, I signed professional uh, around 19, and after um, I had to play uh, in a one year and third division ten years ago uh, in uh, East uh, near Marseille, and after yeah two years uh, in second division uh, when I play with Lolo. So yeah, um, I've been uh, through um, all all. Um, all my career, I've been through different steps, you know. I always try to uh, uh, step up um, and um, and yeah, enjoy um, enjoy the game and always improving myself. So after, obviously, uh, when I look back, I'm quite proud of what I achieved till. Uh, the biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Till now, and I think I still have uh, some more years to come. Uh, nice years uh, in front of me. So um, yeah, hundred goals for Arsenal. It's uh, it's a big um, a big thing for me. Yeah, you need a lot of things to score hundred hundred goals. I think um, first one uh, is persistence. Um, Always um, believe, um, keep the faith, you know, uh, in the game, you know, in your game, in your quality, no doubt. And uh, no matter what happens in the game, still uh, be uh, concentrate on uh, on your next job uh, on the pitch and try to, even if in the last minutes, to be as efficient as you can. Next, obviously, you need good service or good deliveries uh, from your teammates. Santi Carzola, uh, and um, I wanted to to 
to say hello to him and uh, that you, we miss you, Santier. Uh, he was uh, an unbelievable um, assist man for me in the past. Uh, when I used to play with him, I took so much uh, pleasure to play with him. Uh, obviously, Mesut uh, is doing well uh, in assisting um, Alexis. And yeah, we've got a nice uh, playmakers. And you also need some little bit of luck uh, sometimes. Um, circumstances sometimes are favorable or sometimes not. So um, you need to be uh, always uh, ready on the go and, uh, and sometimes defender miss uh, the ball or give uh, the ball in uh, a way to you. So you need to be uh, focused and yeah, always uh, Always uh, want to go. Yeah, and above all, obviously, uh, hard work. Uh, no pain, no gain. So you need to uh, to work hard at training and um, uh, do uh, exercises in front of goals and again and again and again. Repeat. Uh, that's uh, that's the hard work. Uh, at the end of the day, will uh, which will uh, make the difference. Um, I play football to um, to enjoy the game and to make my family and my friends proud of myself and the fans, obviously. But uh, I, I love to um, to be part of um, the history, you know. So uh, I do this job to mark the history as well, and uh, that's why I try to do with uh, with my club. And um, yeah, for me, uh, it's it will stay uh, over the years, so that's nice. And people maybe uh, in 10 years, 15 years will say, uh, I, I remember Giroud, uh, his scorpion kick and everything, you know, like he scored more than 100 goals. So yeah, hopefully I will, uh, will score more, we'll see. The A. Zed is for Zalalem. Gedeon joined us in 2014 on the recommendation of former gunner Danny Carbassian. Off comes the match winner, and probably the man of the match. Huge applause. Certainly done his work tonight. Gideon Zalalem comes on, the youngster. And 19 years of age. His fourth substitute appearance for the first team. Here he is now. Zed is also for Zaragoza, who played the Spanish side in the 1995 European Cup Winners' Cup final. Unfortunately, it will be remembered for all the wrong reasons. Well, we're heading for a penalty shootout. Naeem, or are we? Can you believe what you've seen? Naeem, once of Spurs, has taken the Cup Winners' Cup, surely from Arsenal for 
Zaragoza. And finally, said it's the Zenit St. Petersburg. We bought and sold a cult hero from the Russian side. He's best remembered for this. Serrano. Took too much time. Nasri gets the better of him as well. And the Arsenal got here. They've got Fabregas. He's in. Oh, and Ashavin gives Arsenal the lead at Anfield. Ashavin. Well, he's stolen it from Avaloa. Needs a bit of quality here. And how about that? He smashed it in. And Arsenal are level. Attack is the best form of defence for Arsenal, you feel. Chavez on a hat-trick at Anfield. Nasri. Oh, it is Arshavin. Has he got the hat-trick? He has! He can't believe it! Oh, and uh, Walcott. A long way to go, but he's capable of doing that. Arshavin. Here's Arshavin. He's played in. Arshavin. He's done it! Four! In the 90th minute! What an eight! What an eight! The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. None other than Adrian Clark joins us at the Chalkboard. Clarky, how are we keeping? I'm all right, I'm all right. Look. It wasn't very inspiring, was it, at the weekend? So I'm a bit down diddly down, but I'm sure you'll pick me up. Have you promised not to shave again until Arsenal win? Is that what's going on in 2018? <laughs> no, I actually did have a shave. I had a little trim ahead of uh, the podcast, as I normally try to. Trim and proper. We like it. Let's hope that Arsenal will be as sharp in the coming weeks. Our question on the chalkboard, the definitive 15 days ahead potentially for Arsenal's season now until the end of January, on and off the field, discuss. Yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. I mean, in terms of what we do on the field, it's, it's really important. We've got the, the Carabao Cup semi-final. It'll be lovely to get to a final. I just think that would raise morale ahead of ahead of the run-in and give everybody something to look forward to. So that's a week Tuesday, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. really important. Um, but I would, I would say that, that what Arsenal do off the pitch is probably uh, of, of greater significance. It's a huge. There are some big decisions to be made, aren't there? Uh, if Alexis does go, then we need to replace him with, with quality. And I think the big question mark is: Do you think about the now, or do you think about the person that's right in the long term? And of course, you could get both. The same player could be both. Um, but but for me, and we talked about this on a previous podcast, the Europa League is suddenly priority, isn't it? That's the way I see it anyway. So so should Arsenal be targeting a player that will help their challenge in Europe? And um, with that in mind, the name Riyad Mahrez brings to mind. I don't even know if he's a target of the club. He's only been linked in the past, we yeah, can say, um, hasn't he? But he wouldn't be cup-tied in Europe and we know that he would be an excellent addition that's capable of playing in the Premier League. Whereas, we could do a swap deal involving Mkhitaryan, we could go for Aubameyang, which would be brilliant, um, but they wouldn't be able to play in Europe and they wouldn't impact on what has become the most important competition this season. Dare I say, go hell for leather and go for both. Go for a Mares of that ilk and an Aubameyang. Well, I was asking too much? I don't know. <laughs> well, look, I'm not in charge of the coffers. I don't know how much is available, but look, Based on, on form, and, and, and let's be honest, the away form, particularly this season, the squad needs a reboot. It needs fresh faces, in my opinion, not just to improve performances, but just to, to have fresh, 
hunger and voices and personalities in the dressing room. I think it's really important that Arsenal do add to their squad. I would love to see three or four additions at least this month. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But uh, I think that would boost us at a time when we really, really need a lift. So two attacking players potentially yes. then. Do you then agree with what John Cross said to us a few minutes ago about the other faces maybe being another in the engine room in midfield and another to supplement the options and hopefully enhance the quality at the back? Um, I, I don't think... I'm not expecting anything in the engine room, if, if I'm being honest. Uh, I think that Xhaka, Ramsey and Wilshere will probably monopolise those positions between now and the end of the season. I think the manager will, will be happy enough with them. I might be wrong. Um, I would certainly strengthen the back five. I think you could look at every single player along the back five and say, you know, are you certain of your plays? Have you done enough on a consistent basis to be nailed on starters? And, and, and I don't think any of them have. So, and we've got injury issues with Koscielny and Monreal as well. I would be looking to sign two or three defenders. OK, so we now look ahead to what is another all-important game against Crystal Palace at the weekend. Before we look at the Eagles, what do you do formation-wise and personnel-wise for that game if we expect that Alexis won't be playing? Well, I wouldn't move away from a back three. I think the experiment at Forest didn't, didn't really pay off. Get going back to the point I've just made, unfortunately, I don't think any of the defenders are playing well enough or consistently enough to be part of a back four at the moment. I think we need that extra body, even though we're conceding goals with the back three as well. So I would, I would imagine back three... Um, it's a tough one because they, they've got wing flyers, haven't they, Palace? Uh, in Sacco, who's in the team now, and Zahar, two dangerous players, real quickies. And I think there's a real onus on the, on the wide centre-halves and the, and the wing-backs to hold their ground a little bit, even though we are playing here at Emirates. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see Zahar outstanding and a key part of what has been a magnificent revolution under Roy Hodgson. Seven, eight games in, no points, no goals mm. to Borgos. It's a remarkable turnaround and it's continued since Arsenal last played them a few weeks ago. Yeah, that could have killed them. Get that defeat, because they played pretty well. They're only lost, isn't it? Yeah, um, they, they played well and that could have been the start of a, another bad run for them, but it, it wasn't. It's provoked them to, to have another uplift in form. Roy Hodgson, let's give him credit, a lot of people called him Hodgesaurus, didn't they? They, they were dinosauring him off and he's proven that he's still got plenty to offer as a coach. Um, I, th I, th I thought they were dead and buried because they had so much to do, but, but no, I mean, you think now they're mid-table for sure. And I haven't looked at the form table, but I wouldn't be surprised if Palace are above Arsenal in the form table. So even though on paper this looks like a, a three-point gimme to some degree, it isn't. Let me tell you, Palace are playing well and Arsenal, unfortunately, as we all know, are not in great form. So, for me, this is a devilishly difficult match. So, Roy, in his element in this kind of environment, at this kind of club, I think we can all safely say, repeating the likes of West Brom and Fulham, where he's done similar excellent jobs, how will he treat this game? Will he go for the point ostensibly away from home and add it to that collection to try and stay up or... Will he go hell for leather? Use those flyers and go for it. Well, well, Hodgson never goes hell for leather. It's just not part of his DNA as a coach. He is, first and foremost, a pragmatist. So he will set up to defend and counter. But, and this is the big but, he is not silly. And he will have seen that teams that have got after Arsenal in recent weeks have had a lot of success. I think he will, the shape will be the most important thing. But I'll tell you what, when they turn over possession, expect 
bodies to fly forward in numbers because Palace have the tools actually to to, to create problems for Arsenal. We've we have, I have to say, historically dealt with Christian Benteke okay in recent years since since he had a really good game here for Villa, I think. Um, so I'm not so worried about Benteke, but it's those two wing flyers. Now, Adrian, you swore at your players in the five-second team talk <laughs> last week. Didn't may, work, did it? There may well be a schism in the dressing room since with your squad, I don't know, but you need to bring them back on side. What do you say yeah. to them this well, time? Well, I would be reminding them, Russ, that all of them, are pl you're playing for your futures at this football club at the moment, and I expect you to show that to me. And whatever happens, do not let Zahar or Sacco turn. Get touch tight make them go the other way. Adrian Clark and I are playing for our futures in this. Reign of Arsenal. So the Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, Liam Roberts, joins us in the studio where he's been hovering as ever throughout our Chuck Clarky. And mm. uh, a change, we have a new question notebook. What's going on, Liam? This is now the, uh, the official record of uh, Brain of Arsenal this season. So, yeah, all questions in here. No scores in there? Scores are in here as well, so I can keep you updated we on a, on a week. <laughs> no expense spared there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's got I a thought, straight yeah. out of the stationery card, hasn't he? Didn't, <laughs> didn't even expense it. Wow. <laughs> it's so, all up a notch. So, yeah, so last week, Yaya Snogo defeated Steve Bold. Wow, yeah. Um, so, Adrian, you had to pick a new subject. What did you go with? Um, well, because I'm missing the Champions League or Arsenal in it, so I picked the, uh, the glorious run to the 2005-06 final. And Russ, you are trying to get to week three on Yaya Sonogo. Indeed, um, I am. Indeed. So, uh, Adrian, you picked first last week. Russ, would you like to go first or second? I'll get it out of the way, see what I can do. OK, so here are your questions. Week two, Yaya Sonogo, starting now. Question one. Yaya won the World Cup at which level for France? Under 20s. Correct. How many goals has he scored in domestic English football? Well, it's a very, very good question. So, he scored three goals for Charlton. He scored one goal for Crystal Palace. And his only goal for Arsenal was in the Champions League. So, I'm going to say four. Correct. He scored a hat-trick for Charlton. So Sorry? He scored a hat-trick for Charlton. He did, in a, in a defeat. In a defeat, yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Question three. Which minute did he come on in the 2014 FA Cup final? Oh, God. Now, he came on in the 81st minute to replace Lucas Podolski in either that cup final or his debut against Fulham because he replaced Podolski in both. And one of them is the 81st minute. I can't remember which one. I can't remember which one, though. I'm going to say the 81st, but a horrible feeling that might be the Fulham game. Was the 61st. Yeah, he had a long run at it. it was, he played well, though, didn't he? Blimey, in that game. He ah, shook up changed the game. He did shake them up. And a question for who was his last game for us against? It's classic Roberts, this. He loves a last game question. Always tricky. She didn't play at all in 2016 17. Ah, oh, and he picked up. Injury before he then got loaned to Palace. Ah! It wouldn't have been long after that goal against Borussia Dortmund. I'll say Borussia Dortmund, but I think he probably played a couple of times after that. It was Galatasaray. <sighs> a 4 1 win. Started off well. Feel for you. Two out of four. Yeah. Stop. Solid return for week two. Uh, not it, bad. It, yeah, it, yeah. Not bad. could be enough. Take that. Could be enough. 
Adrian, confident as ever. <laughs> Could be enough. <laughs> so, Adrian, the 2005-06 Champions League run. Four questions starting now. How many consecutive clean sheets did we keep? Well, this was fantastic. Ten. Correct. Unbelievable. Considering the first two games, ten on the spin. Amazing. Unbelievable. Correct. Question two. Who conceded the last-minute penalty that Jens Lehmann saved in the semi-final win over Villarreal? Oh! It's a famous bit of commentary. Who conceded the penalty? Oh, that's a, that's a tough week one. Um, yeah, I, I really can't remember. I'm going to say... Um, Cinderos. It's Gail Clichy. <laughs> a smile one. from Russell Hargreaves. <laughs> Question three. We're going to this way. I'm going to get it back <laughs> respectively this time. Not that I'm bitter about that still. Question three. Which group were we in? B. Correct. Oof, well done. That's a tricky one. <laughs> Question four. For the win, who was our leading scorer in the competition? Oh, well, I hope it was, it was the main man. I think it was. He wasn't massively prolific. You, you don't need to know how many, do you? No. Yeah, I don't think Van Persie pipped him. I'm going to go for Omri. Correct. For the win, Van Persie got two. So uh, Thierry Omri got five. Well done. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, tight affair, 3 2. It was, it was a bit of a nerve jangler, yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah. It, was a, it was a good effort. Hold on. Hold on. So, Russ. Say it like you mean it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to continue my links from my defeats to a new dawn. And I'm going to go for the life and times of the man whose shirt number Yaya Sonogo took when he arrived at <laughs> Arsenal. I'm going to go for the former number 22, which was Francis Cochrane, who was on loan at that point, and then, of course, came back, but has now left again. Let's have a nod to the French midfielder, Francis Cochrane, the life and times thereof, Arsenal and beyond. So next week, Francis Cochrane versus the Champions League run of 05-06. Gentlemen, thank you very much. And when can we see or hear you again, Clark? Yeah, I'll be in the commentary box for the Crystal Palace game. Really looking forward to that. The final word this week is a fond farewell to Francis Cochrane, who joined Valencia last week. Francis played 160 times for the Arsenal, was an integral part of the 2015 FA Cup winning side, and he followed that up with winning the trophy again last May. Everyone at the club wishes Francis the very best in the next chapter of his career. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Olivier Giroud, to John Cross and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We'd like to know how we're doing in the podcast, so please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can subscribe as well and find us on Acast these days as well. Remember to get your questions into Clarky at the chalkboard on Twitter using the hashtag ArsenalWeekly. And we're back on Monday the 22nd of January. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.